Hello, Sin City Grand. You are listening to our Board of Directors meeting or workshop podcast. Stay connected by listening to our podcast, signing up for e-notifications, picking up the latest Grand Lifestyle magazine, visiting suncitygrand.com, and watching our recorded videos from Grand TV. Have a question? Contact communications at scgcam.com. Thanks for listening today. Okay, hello, after, uh, afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the workshop at Sun City Grand. Uh, we have a quorum. Miss Stephanie Slagan Odell is out of town, so we have six members present with the quorum. Please keep your microphone on mute if you don't mind. And residents may comment once per agenda for a total maximum of three minutes. First of all, there's a few things I'd like to discuss with you today that you may or may not know, and that is that the new spa at the Adobe Center is now open. We just got the permit today. So there will be a method for setting up your um, reservations. And Allison, would you like to make a few comments on that one? Sorry, I'm on my personal laptop here. Um, as far as the spa goes, reservations for the spa are not separate from use of the lap lanes and the rec pool. So people who make reservations for the rec pool or the lap lanes already have access to the spa. Thank you. Yes. Nice to talk to somebody who knows what's going on. We appreciate all you've done. Uh, I don't know, many of you don't know the behind the scenes work that's been going on with Allison and her team, but they've, they've done some fantastic work and we're very grateful for them. So let's go on to our first new thing. Uh, we're going to be talking about the financial report and you'll notice if you're on your screen that Miss uh, Stephanie Slaggett Odell has a slightly different look this morning as the report will be given by David Reber. David? Thanks, Don. For the month of June, we were $65,000 better than budget, although we recorded a deficit of $399. Year to date, we are $236,000 better than budget, which is good news, especially with the shutdown and all the restrictions. Board meeting. Sorry. For the forecast, we've uh, gone through and on the campsite pretty much removed all the revenue for fitness, ticketed events, food and beverage, you know, just as of when we did this report. And golf is doing well, way ahead of budget. And that's a good thing that helps out. You know, we've reduced expenses and we're currently showing approximately a $242,000 loss at the end of the year, which is really good news with everything going on. And then on the next slide, these are our fund balances, 19 million in reserves, almost 4 million in care now, operating 14 million. That's a total of 38 million less the, the prepaid assessments and liabilities of 11 that leaves us with 26 million in liquid assets and most of that operating fund is prepaid assessments and that completes my report if there's any questions any questions by the board Any questions from the audience? 
Okay, hearing none, we'll move on to the next item of business. Uh, is uh, anybody wants to pull anything off of the consent agenda to discuss? If not, we'll move on and vote on that in the no special uh, board meeting. We're now going into unfinished business, which is none, and now we're going to the new business. The first item up is uh, recommendations to approve the rules for opening the bocce. And Steve, would you go ahead with that? You're on mute, Steve. A rarely observed event, but it does happen. Um, uh, okay. on the board. Anyway, um, put a mark beside his name. So this is a uh, kind of a long time coming. This is kind of the the last major uh, outdoor uh, amenity to to reopen. Uh, and I want to give uh, kudos to Bob Cornfield, who had, who submitted a, a great plan. Uh, he and I worked together and worked with David Twiggs on, on this plan. It's a, it's a, it's complex for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, um, uh, you cannot uh, draft a plan which deals with the issue of that everybody has to touch the same bocce balls. And it's not just one time, uh, it's all the time. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the solution to that, um, the solution to the other, other possible uh, transmission modes are pretty straightforward. You know, social distancing and mask wearing are, are part of, of all, the, all the plans that we're doing. Uh, but it's the touching that we had an issue with. And so the, the best that we can do on this um, is to urge people to, first of all, bring their own hand sanitizers. And second of all, uh, to sanitize their own hands before and after they take their turns um, throwing the two balls. Uh, I know that's a lot of sanitizing, but that's the best way to keep your, your, yourself uh, safe from, uh, from likely transmission. Um, uh, besides that, uh, I guess the major part of the plan is we're not going to use uh, all of the courts, uh, in part because in the summer there's much less demand, um, and so it's every other court. And it's up to CAM to decide do they want to do 1357 or 2468. Uh, but uh, there'll be set automatic separation because of that. Uh, people can bring their own chairs. Uh, people can have guests if they're staying with them. Um, uh, the other challenging thing, not challenging, but more complicated thing was there's three possible modes of playing. One is if you're, uh, if you're a member of the bocce ball club uh, and you're engaged in some kind of organized bocce club event, uh, you have access to the club balls um, and there are, there's a set of rules that applies to that. You can also be a club member. Uh, second, second possibility is you're a member of the club, but you just want to play casually uh, and there are uh, a set of rules for that. And then if you're just a, a resident of Sun City Grand, uh, what you do there is you go to, um, to the Adobe Fitness Center desk leave your cam card and they'll give you a key to the footlocker that's by the bocce ball courts. Uh, and you just uh, use the, the bocce balls that are in the community footlocker uh, to play. And then when you're done, you lock it back up again, take your key back up to the, to the desk at Adobe and get your cam card back. Uh, same rules in terms of social distancing, same rules as masks as everybody else, but that's the three possible mo modes of play for bocce. So that will open uh, as soon as CAM is ready, which should be very shortly. Uh, and again, uh, kudos to Bob Cornfield and company for doing, doing a good plan here. Thank you. Any comments from the board? 
Alan, you're a bocce player. How does that sound to you? Uh, it sounds about as good as it could get. <laughs> oh, I like that. Are there any comments from the audience? Yeah, um, we have one from John Such. Hi, John. Yeah, hi, Don. No, I just have a question. Uh, <clears throat> Steve, when you, you talked about the bocce thing, do you guys think about them perhaps like surgical like gloves or something or other? You know, they sell them in boxes now, you know, and just a question. Yeah, well, the, the gloves is gloves are an interesting issue. Gloves sound good, uh, but the problem with gloves is all it protects is your hand. It doesn't protect you or anybody you're around, really, simply because humans have this annoying habit of touching their face unconsciously uh, and very frequently. Yeah. So, so we know when you wear a glove, uh, you know you you won't get any possible virus on the hand that the glove is on. But you can still, you know, if that if that virus transfers to your glove, you're probably going to touch your face. Uh, and if you have the virus, you're probably going to, you know, touch your face, get on the glove, and then potentially pass it to the ball and so forth. So, yeah. like I said, gloves sound like a great idea, but they don't really work effectively to keep the virus from, from transmitting because we're all human, or at least most of us are. Okay. Another serious point about that is, most people do not know how to take gloves off. They end up recontaminating. If the gloves are contaminated, they end up contaminating themselves. <laughs> I think Barbara can occur concur with that. Thanks, John. Any other comments? Okay, let's move on to the next one, Steve. You want to read it? Gene, that's right. Go ahead and read it, please. Recommendations to approve the plan and rules to reopen Sun City Grand. Uh, no, plan and rules to reopen Sun City Grand golf snack bars submitted by to the board of directors by the general manager, with a reopening date to be determined by Cam. Okay, do you have any comments, Earl? Or you want to turn it over to Jeff? You and me. I have, I have no comments. My only comment to uh, it, it is, it's a great idea, but I'm worrying that the congregation, you got to force them together and they're going to want to eat and drink. And having noticed a lot of uh, recalcitrance amongst the play golf players when I've been around, I'm worrying a little bit about the six foot separations. Jeff, will you go ahead and would you comment, Jeff, for those that don't play golf on a regular basis? I've been impressed with the fact that we put the tables and chairs up and we put tape around them so there's absolutely almost no way anybody can get through a chair or table to congregate like old times, correct? Correct. Yeah, the tables and chairs are blocked off. Um, the beginning plans to the recommend or the what we're recommending is to open up the snack bars on a limited basis right now with canned products, the canned uh, sodas and um, uh, beer, things of that nature, prepackaged items, um, and then hopefully eventually moving into um, foods, hot dogs, sandwiches, but right now would be prepackaged items. Um, Mr. Nygoff, your concern um, is, is a good one in regards to socialization. Um, when we do start selling beverages after the round, the natural tendency is to gonna wanna congregate with each other um, we would just have to really ask that the customers, the golfers, to not do so. And, and, and Don, let me, let me add one thing too. And this, this is a real world comment. 
and Jeff and I talked about this. Um, the reality is that, you know, golfers can carry their own beers on their carts, and they do. Uh, and when a round is finished, uh, the snack bars are, are right now closed. And so what happens frequently is they, you know, they'll go to the parking lot and have a beer. Uh, we all understand that. Uh, this, what this calls for is, uh, you know, people taking personal responsibility for their own actions. Uh, and, you know, can, can we control what happens in the parking lots? No. Uh, the best that we can do is to try and set up some rules when they're at the snack bar uh, to try and say, okay, there's, there's, you know, there's blue tape X's on the ground, uh, you know, wear a mask, uh, use a credit card, you swipe it yourself and so forth. Uh, so the best that we can do uh, in, in, as the board in setting down rules to reopen the snack bars is to say, okay, while you're at the snack bar, here's the rules you need to follow. Uh, but what we know is that people are going to do what they're going to do uh, when they're not around the snack bar. But again, that's a question of personal responsibility. So uh, I, I think what we're doing here, I guess I would say it's not making things any worse because right now people are going to the parking lots in their golf carts and having a beer with their friends. The best that we can hope for is to keep giving them advice uh, to social distance and, and wear masks because if you're going to be close to somebody else. But uh, my take is that the, the, the rules that we're proposing here for the snack bars to reopen uh, keep the status quo pretty much in place. I'd also like to make the comment, I mean, I play a couple, three times a week, is uh, I don't see the, the beer in the parking lot often, you see it occasionally. And the other thing that was surprising to me is when we required a mask at the outdoor check-ins, people adapted to that very quickly, don't you think, Joe? I mean, there was yeah, we, initial, initial pushback, but now it's, it's pretty well accepted. Will you approve? Yeah, pretty much the players, you know, most of the players that play here play at least once or twice a week um, or every other week and, and they know the policy and we've had probably 99.9%, you know, uh, adhering to the policy. Okay, is there any more discussions about the snack chat? And let's just review to make sure I've got it right and for the audience is the fact that we will open a snack shack and we will concentrate on prepackaged foods, candy bars, uh, prepackaged sandwiches, et cetera, beer, uh, soft drinks, coffee. And other than that, there'll be no open food items at this particular point in time. And those may be considered to be added later depending on what the, the outcome comes. Is that pretty much summing up, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think you mentioned sandwiches right now. We're, we're not doing the sandwiches until we can find some pre-made sandwiches from a um, vendor. Yeah. And Earl, I mean, you, Eugene, are you on board with that? I'm in total agreement. I just brought up the question and I agree. I think Jeff's been doing a great job of uh, policing that area, but I just drive by it quite often. And if I drive by, I stop and look. Yeah, so that was my yeah. observations. Yeah, one of the places that happens is under the trees at north on the 18th green, but is an inviting shady area that seems to draw some attention. <laughs> but Jeff, I, I just want to compliment you based on all the things that could have happened and based on the fact that um, we didn't know what would happen. Um, if you look back at the financial report, we've got to look and see what would have happened if we had golf closed. So all in all, uh, the balance of what's happened in golf has been good. We just got to continue to be diligent. Okay, we're going to move on now to the uh, 
outdoor exercise classes. Allison, would you like to talk about that, please? Or thank you, Don. Um, we wanted to provide an opportunity to get our residents out and moving. Unfortunately, it's about to be August, but we, <laughs> we think it would be uh, safe as far as COVID goes to try to introduce some outdoor group exercise classes at the pavilion. One class, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. The class format would be different, but um, we'd have a couple different instructors offering some high, uh, high intensity cardio classes. And we'd like to get that started as soon as we can be sure that we're installing all of the uh, protocols for safety with regard to uh, social distancing, uh, cleaning and sanitation of the handrails on the steps down into the pavilion, providing hand sanitizer, marking the floor to keep people spaced, limiting any type of group um, uh, uh, hanging out together before and after the class, sanitizing the bathroom nearby, just to make sure we take care of our residents and get them out and moving. So um, is there any questions about um, anything I'm leaving out there that you have? I have one question. You said mm -hmm. one class a day. Are you keeping open the method that you might expand it? Absolutely. We, we are actually prepared to exceed that number and, and, and add more classes, but we want to see what it's like when we first launch. We realize again that the weather is not the most inviting uh, part of this opportunity, but we, we do have some crazy people here that don't mind that it's 90 degrees at 6 a.m. and they'll come out and work out anyways. We have the, we have the proof. <laughs> Uh, because it's happened in the past, and uh, we'd like to make sure we get people out there. I think it's great that we have another group of facility users of amenities that get a chance to, to, to do their passion, so thank you very much for that. Sure. Steve, are you happy with the uh, reporting now? Yeah, Alice and I talked about this, and let me just add a couple of things just so people know. Uh, this is going to be reservations only for these classes. It'll be on online reservations, and it's credit card only. Uh, you can't use your credit book right now and, and you can't use cash. So same system for, uh, for payment as for reservation. Thank Earl? you. Earl, are your uh, reservation people ready to accommodate this? Uh, Allison and I have been talking the last couple of days. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we, are we are intending to use the ASAP system through the activities department. And that's who we're coordinating with to make this happen because they can accept payment there. That's great. Yep. Anybody else have any questions? Okay, go to the audience. Does anybody in the audience have a question about the Alice's plan? Adam, I see no hands up, so I'll assume it's okay. And the fourth one is the softball. Oh, there's one. One just about the uh, Maria Gabbard. Go ahead, Maria. <clears throat> I just a question for Allison. Um, if an employee, resident employee, wanted to take one of those classes, how would that payment method work since employees do not pay for classes? Employees only have the freedom to take a class for free if the class is uh, not filling up on a regular basis. Right. Uh, with the launch of these classes, uh, resident employees would have to pay for the class if, there's, if they're popular enough that they're selling out. Okay. Um, employees typically have to wait until right before the class starts to ensure that paying members have priority. Okay. Thank you, Allison. That helps out. Thank you. Steve, refresh my memory. Is there a guest policy involved here? 
uh, we didn't speak to the to a guest policy. Allison, what's your preference on that? Um, we were just staying consistent with the fact that we have not been allowing for guests up until now in anything regarding fitness. It was not my intention to allow guests to attend. I would love to entertain the idea after we have some history about how these outdoor classes are going. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Cause I mean, it's a very limited uh, capacity mm -hmm. right now for the yeah. start. Agreed. Any more questions from the board? Any more questions from the members? If not, we'll move on. What we're going to do now is talk about softball. And um, I need to say something up front and say that we're really proud of the softball people. If you had told me that uh, we had a, a case uh, in softball where we practiced with 32 guys and we wouldn't have another case, I would have been highly surprised. We managed well. We had no feedback that we know of from that. And I wanted to, I thought the professionalism with which the softball club handled that was absolutely terrific. So I'm going to move it on to Steve, who I know has been working with him very closely. And Steve? Thanks, Don. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to second the, um, uh, the kudos that you're giving the softball club. Uh, Tom and the board have done a great job. Uh, they actually voluntarily shut down when they, when they had a case. Um, they're they're going to re-reopen, I guess I would say, with the same plan that we had approved before. Um, and, uh, you know, my understanding is that they'll be doing uh, some practicing, some playing, and perhaps some, um, some work on the field at the same time. I think it's a question of scheduling contractors. But what's important here is that, uh, you know, we want to try and open as many um, amenities as we can. Uh, and they certainly follow the rules. Uh, and showed themselves to be responsible here. Um, and so we think it's really appropriate to reopen so re-reopen softball now. Any more questions, the board? Okay, any from the residents? Perhaps it'll put the rest of those emails I've been getting from those uh, softball people to give them back their diamond. <laughs> um, one small comment I want to make. This is personal. Um, I think there were they were disappointed that after they had uh, self-contained themselves for 16 days that we didn't immediately open it back up. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands it had nothing to do with softball or how they did. It's just the events on the 16th with the surgeon all were so dramatic from when we originally opened that we had to evaluate it on that particular day and that's where we made the decision that we did. We can argue with that, but we have a plan and, and we want to be you know, consistent with it and be focused on it. So that's why that moved out. Having said that, and now we're moving into discussions and we're going to have some other events that we're going to be looking very closely to A, what is the next step to what we're going to open. So most of the time you come to these meetings and we have told you the negotiations and all the behind the scenes things that Cam has worked with, et cetera, and Allison and Jeff. We want to now have a little open discussion and tell you going to go look at some of the other procedures. This will give you a good idea of how we look at and interactively work with uh, procedure what we're going forward. For example, I thought it would be interesting to view the board and to everybody talking here is that we're going to have an open discussion on what the next line of, of equipment we're looking to open. We're going to go through the whys and why nots. We're going to go through the things we have learned and not learned. We're going to go through the uh, surprises that are both good, mainly good, 
And we're going to end it up with a uh, dissertation and presentation by Barb Minnick. And if you don't know, Barb has got an extensive history in the hospital, been the COO of a Banner Corporation hospital, and is very, very knowledgeable. And I tell her that when I leave my shower in the morning, I have all the answers for the day, and then I call her with all my plans and, and the rest of it, so she gives me the facts, and I have to change everything. You cannot sway her with your feelings. She deals strictly with science and facts, and we would are so, so much better off because we have her on board. And as you will see with some of the discussions today, no matter what she's told us approach, that has been the right one. So first of all, I'd like to go out to any of the board members, and um, one of the discussions, and, and um, uh, Gina, I'll start with you, is one of the discussions was made that we were going to look at opening the merchandise centers in the golf shops. Now, when this has happened, Kevin Reagan has put together a plan and has brought forward on opening it, uh, the golf shops. So we decided not to do it yet until we also looked at the single-use buildings, which we're going to be doing now, probably. So do you, let me just throw some things on the table that have been discussed. And um, Eugene, if you lead off and the rest of them comment, what uh, Kevin has done is gone to the governor's orders and looked at what he required. He presented a plan that allowed X number of people in each one of the golf shops. And I thought one was too high. And of course, Barbara, her expertise told me, said, you know, he's probably following the governor's orders, which means so many people per square foot. And then I said, well, obviously we can't let them try them on. And obviously we can't have them uh, return items. And everybody agreed. And then Barb informed me, as did my wife on visiting, that when she went to Chico's, they observed the square footage. They did allow them to try the garments on. Then they put them in a basket. And if they bought anything, they could, in fact, bring them back. And it seems to be standard under the governor's order. So that's changed a little bit of what the income so let's start with Eugene and then everybody say, if we were to look at opening the merchandising in the golf shops, how you would feel about that? How you would go about making your recommendation? Eugene? Well, first of all, I think the area we should be considering even before the golf is opening up single use buildings. The wood shop, the clay arts, the stained glass all have good single-use buildings and opening those to me are more is more important than additional revenue for the association we've got to be dealing with all the people of the community and we have a very large group of people who are chomping at the bit to get back into their project and arts areas. So well, one of the reasons we chose not to bring forward the golf merchandise was sort of that very item because golf merchandise is inside and we thought that the same policy would avoid which should be basically the same as we go forward. Anybody else have a comment on it's strictly about the merchandising first and then we'll go to single use? I, I, do, I have a comment. Uh, um, sorry. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I agree with with uh, uh, what Gene said. The golf golf shops people will be in attendance in the golf shops for a relatively short period of time. Uh, one of the issues uh, that uh, heightens 
the risk of exposure is the amount of time uh, one is, is in a building. So I liked what uh, Kevin put together, his, his plan, and I would have no objection to uh, uh, opening open up the golf shops right now. Anybody else on the board have a, a kind of opinion, Earl? Uh, I mean, I, I agree with Alan because the duration is a key factor, although we don't know what that factor is uh, as far as virus transmission. Um, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. Uh, I could, I can go either way. I, you know, people are wearing masks. Um, I have been in a couple places where, yeah, they, they have been set up for return of items because it's something we were talking about with library books as well as having them sit for multiple days before they get reshelved. Same thing with clothing. Um, whatever minimizes the risk uh, or an acceptable level of risk, I suppose. Um, but I wouldn't be in a hurry to open anything indoor yet. Steve and I are still researching these various systems. We've done other studies, as you know, on air movement. And until we, I think we have more answers, I think we need to still keep the indoor things closed. Steve? Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think golf shops uh, are probably a unique case for this reason. Um, it's as, as uh, everybody has said so far, it's short duration exposure to whatever might be out there. Uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take a long time to go looking for clothes or hats or whatever equipment in, a, in, a, in the golf pro shops. Um, so the duration is very short. Um, you know, I always come back to, I'll make a more general comment here, Don. Um, I mean, people get concerned and afraid and whatever given what's happening around us in Maricopa County. And they look at, they look at the, uh, you know, the virus figures for positive tests in our zip code and, and the rest of the kinds of data that's available to us all right now. That's all important. Uh, but I think what's more important is that uh, we pay attention to our plans, our reopening plans. And if you focus on, you know, the three modes of transmission and try and get those right, by which I mean, aerosol transmission, um, uh, you know, touching a surface uh, or touching a person, uh, you know, you can, you can solve a lot of the exposure risks by doing consistent good rules. And so I think a consistent good rule that would apply to the golf shop would be, uh, you know, for the aerosol side of things, make people wear a mask. That's gonna be a pretty consistent uh, attribute of any plan that we approve and it's pretty consistently applied almost everywhere now outside of Sun City Grand if you're out and about. So, you know, we're wearing a mask uh, helps to control the aerosol transmission. Uh, you know, the touching part, uh, the physical touching of somebody else, social distance, that's another common attribute. Um, you know, the touching of the clothes and the possible transmission of the virus from returns or trying things on or whatever. Uh, the data that I've seen so far uh, indicates that this is turns out to be a much less important transmission vector than it was first thought. Uh, that is that, uh, you know, the actual virus particles that can live on surfaces for any period of time, the chance of getting it from those surfaces is actually pretty small. Uh, and it's almost, uh, almost 
well, it's negligible uh, if you let it sit there for a day or two. So, you know, trying things on, you should be able to try things on and then just put them in a basket as we talked about. Uh, that should handle the, uh, you know, the, the direct transmission through surface, uh, through touch surfaces. So, you know, given all those, and again, we, we always have to roll in the, the duration factor. Uh, but when you roll that into the rest of the standard uh, three, three vector modes of transmission, I think the golf shops are uh, a pretty low risk uh, thing to reopen and I'd be in favor of doing that sooner instead of later. And what about single use buildings? Single use buildings, I mean, you know, as, as Earl said, uh, on the, well, okay, let me try and differentiate those buildings a bit for Sun City Grand. There are a couple of buildings, actually three, that are maybe better candidates than others for a particular reason. Uh, glass arts and clay arts uh, both have what's known as HEPA filters installed in them already. And HEPA filters will filter 99.99% of whatever's out there, including virus particles. Uh, clay arts has three HEPA filter machines uh, and glass arts has two. So those two individual use, ind individual club buildings uh, with the HEPA filters running are probably the safest one indoor spaces uh, on the campus. Uh, somewhat behind them is Woodshop, mostly because Woodshop has pretty good uh, ventilation systems for exhaust. That is because of all the, th the sawdust and so forth. They have you know, additional uh, uh, exhaust fans they put in to vent out the dust, but it will also vent out virus particles, I guess I would say. So, you know, Woodshop is, a, is another possible candidate. When you get beyond those three, um, it, it's, it's not a huge difference between a single use building like Fine Arts uh, and a room in one of the larger buildings like uh, Stitchers in Palm Center or uh, Computer Club in Chaparral or whatever. They're, you know, I mean, they're all served by numerous air conditioners. They all have a very similar structure uh, in terms of the airflow and, and, and filtration and so forth. And so th these other, these other and, and some of them have, uh, even forgetting the HVAC side of things, you just can't figure out a plan that works. I mean, for example, I can't figure out a plan uh, to reopen the poker club uh, because you gotta touch the cards. I, mean, I can't figure out a plan to allow bridge and, and Mahjong in Palm Center or Sonoran Plaza because you got to touch the pieces and the cards. So, you know, there, and there are other things that are similar to that, but not quite as bad. But, you know, there, there are a lot of amenities that are going to be a real challenge to reopen until we get a vaccine, frankly. Now, having said that, um, you know, we, Earl and I are looking at, uh, at, at the HVAC side of things for the, for the common area buildings. And you know we've got some we've got some uh, things that we're pursuing that have some good potential here. Uh, once we get this stuff figured out, um, there's you know we will have a recommendation, and I can tell you right now that that recommendation will still include masks. It will still include social distancing, and it will include a very strong recommendation to consider how long you want to spend in that venue, because you know duration, especially indoors is always gonna be a factor. So what you don't wanna do, even when, when things are reopened, is to, is to go over to even the clay arts or glass arts and spend all day there, right? Because that's, you know, six, eight hours of exposure is not 
anywhere near as good idea as an hour or two of exposure. So, you know, we're gonna, when we finally do open uh, the buildings at, at a general level, I think we're gonna see changes, at least recommended changes uh, in, in how people actually use these amenities uh, on a broad basis. Does that mean they can't use them? No, uh, they just have to adjust the, their behavior to you know, the new reality until we get control of this virus somehow. Uh, but our goal here is to try and get things open as much as we can uh, and as fast as we can uh, without exposing the residents to unreasonable risks. Thank you, Jenny. I'll bring Barb Medic in here right now. And in addition to her wisdom on this thing, Barb, I'm gonna ask you to address uh, what I call a conundrum. Um, you know, if you, if you watch the national press, uh, Arizona ranks number one, number two, number three, the surge, um, you'll probably touch on the percentage of people tested, we're way up there, you know. We get a report from Barb every day, it's climbing every day. Uh, Barb, I know this latest one was almost 16%, or was it the 16%? Dead on TV while I was in, a, in an office today, it said it was, seven day movie was 20%. But when we look at what's happening in Sun City Grand, there's a couple of things I'd like to point out. You know, we've had one case at, at softball, we've had one case at pickleball, We've had some other individual golf workers, but it doesn't seem, we don't know the facts, but it doesn't seem that that has spread to the other people in those games much, any much to what we might expect. For example, if I were to use the data for you give us from Maricopa County, am I correct in showing that what we have happened here in Sun City Grands is much, much better than what's happening in that particular report area? And how do you accumulate that? How does it connect? It tells me, I'm a neophyte, but it tells me that people aren't going outside and bringing the virus into Sun City Grand, which is a real plus, but to what extent is that as a danger? And if that started to happen for some reason, could you see it making an immediate hotspot uh, problem for us? Thank you. That's a lot of questions in there. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the only person on the board who's smart enough to handle them all. Oh, no, I don't think that's true at all. Um, First of all, let me say, we cannot get as granular as Sun City Grant. As granular as we can get is the zip code 85374, which Grand, we know, has three zip codes, but predominantly we are in 85374, as is what I call regular surprise, you know, which is outside of our SCG uh, community lines. So when we talk about um, local, not being Maricopa or Arizona, we're talking about the zip code 85374. And just to further confuse the subject, that's based on your postal code. So let's say your postal code is 85374, but currently you're back in Iowa and you know, God forbid you should have a problem and have to go into a hospital in Iowa. Iowa will count it in their total uh, cases for Des Moines or Iowa or the county. But for the zip code, it will count in our zip code because it's based on your postal code. So I can't get as granular as Sun City Grand. If somebody has a great source for getting that information that is reliable and uh, not just uh, anecdotal, if you will, then I'd be very interested in knowing about that, uh, that link. So please send that to me if you do. So right now in 85374, what we have been seeing, and it, it goes up and down, you know, and that has a lot to do with when things are reported. Uh, some days you'll see a zero, the next day you'll see a 23. You can probably average those out. But we are seeing on the average about somewhere between 10 and 14 cases a day, increased new cases a day uh, in 85374. 
Again, some days zero, some days 23, but it's, it's between 10 and 14. That's not huge when you take in how big our zip code is. Is it 10 to 14 people who have unfortunately contracted uh, the virus? Yes, it is. Uh, we know that in our state, we were one of what I call the bad states, if you will, along with California, Texas, and Florida, we were called out. But we've also recently been called out for some leveling and that we are one of the states now that is starting to level, not decrease, by no means have our arms around this, no means have good numbers, but we are seeing some payoffs, if you will, from uh, the governmental rules, mass social distancing, and I would agree, uh, personal responsibility. Uh, it's very hard to legislate behavior. We all have to own our own behaviors of uh, how we choose uh, to uh, practice the guidelines and or the rules. And I think we've all seen that, you know, you, you go into Albertsons or Walgreens, 99% uh, of the people now wear masks. A month ago, maybe it was 75, a month before that it was maybe 40 and we were the oddballs, you know, the crazy old people who have masks on. Now everyone just about has a mask on. That will, will start to turn uh, the curve downwards we still are not in good shape. We've had 150,000 plus people in this state die from this virus. Now, maybe you all know some of those. I, I hope to God that there nobody you know, but I my heart goes out to people who that was their mother, father, brother, son, daughter, whatever. And some of us have read some of the really sad stories that are going on. A uh, couple of other just factual comments. When we break it down into age demographics, the over 65 for new cases is the lowest affected group for new cases. And that's uh, cumulative year to date. Under 20 and 20, uh, under 20 is uh, a little bit higher than us, but still higher than us. And the 20 to 44 age group is by far like four times as large as what we have for new cases. And we can probably all figure out that those are people who uh, like to have congregate activities, whether it be a, you know, a picnic with friends or go to a bar or whatever. But that's where we've really seen a surge in cases. Uh, certainly this thing is nowhere close to being uh, under control. Uh, we have to practice uh, personal behaviors and take personal responsibility. I don't know if I've gone too far off topic there from Don from your questions, so please feel free to ask me again if you have something specific. Yeah, there is one specific thing. Um, if, if we were to look at the situation as it's evolved over Arizona in the last uh, month or so with this horrendous surge, and now we're going to look about opening up more amenities that have lesser, higher degrees of risk, I would think that opening up additional amenities in the face of a big surge would not be wise in its general overall global concept, but the evidence that you're providing with us shows us that we don't seem to have that surge bubble in Sun City Grand that we observed even in Maricopa County. Am I correct in that assumption? That's correct. And what we did see in a surge about, I don't know, say about two weeks ago, and we kind of expected it sort of was a, followed the July 4th weekend. You expect a certain amount of time after Memorial Day, you'll see a surge. Uh, any, any holiday where you might be outside or have some sort of congregate uh, entertainment going on, we saw the surge. We have come down. We were consistently 23, 2400 new cases. Now we're around 1500, 1700. So we're coming down. Now, as you relate it to opening new amenities, they're attached, but not as directly as you would think. 
because again, what goes on uh, Maricopa County clearly is about two thirds of all the cases in Arizona are coming from Maricopa County. And we have not quite two thirds, but we have the predominant amount of population in Maricopa. But uh, you know, what we're seeing with the rest of Maricopa, we're seeing a lot of, uh, especially in the over 65 group, we're seeing a lot of problems in congregate care. That can be prisons, that can be uh, nursing homes, that can be assisted living. A lot of cases are happening there. And even though we can't on our data break it down to 65 to 75, 75 to 85, we also know uh, from some hospital data that uh, we're getting from other means that a lot of that's over 85 too. Um, as far as opening things, you know, that's such a tough one. Uh, you know, I'm one seventeen thousandth of the people who live here, and I have my own personal voice of what I believe and what I feel. But then I'm also a board member, so I have to echo what I feel is right as a board member, re member representing the community. And just as the seven of us have very differing opinions about, you know, do we bubble wrap or do we go, you know, run crazy into the pool with all our friends linked together? Uh, that's true of our community too. We're gonna find people all up and down the spectrum. So I believe we start with science and that's the guidelines. They're not mandates, but the guidelines that come from CDC. We built our master guidelines here at Sun City Grand around those. Steve just articulated those very well as far as mass, social distancing, uh, length of exposure, et cetera. Those are, those are all things that have been proven to help, not cure, not fix, not stop, but help the spread of the virus. So when I take it as a board member, if I look at that, I go, are our master guidelines currently correct? And we have a little something hanging out there with aerosols. Uh, Stephen Earl been doing yeoman's work on that, but we don't quite have that nailed down yet. But so I'm gonna set that to one side as this may change. Right now, I believe our guideline, uh, master guidelines for club openings meet the criteria that is currently out there and is professed as being the best and uh, most stringent, if you will, um, things to do. If I look at it from a standpoint of the government, are we following those mandates that have been set by the City of Surprise, the County of Maricopa, the State of Arizona? Yes, we are. We have been compliant with those. Given those two, I feel comfortable saying, now it's up to each and every one of us as residents to be responsible. I need to be responsible for my own choices uh, as a resident of this community, as an individual uh, member of the human race, if you will. I don't wanna get uh, you know, too uh, esoterical there, but um, I have to be aware of the risks, just like when I go to my financial counselor, I have risks that I choose to take or not take. Uh, I have to be aware of the risks now. And what risks I take on for myself, I have to use the criteria, am I harming anybody else? Now, that's my personal belief system. I was brought up that you, you're you a good neighbor and you're a good citizen and you don't harm anybody else. So if I take a risk, am I harming anyone else? And if I am, then I need to stop taking that risk. But I also have to take responsibility for my own health. And I've said that all along. If my doctor says, you shouldn't do that, Barbara, you have an underlying condition, then I shouldn't do that. So we all claim we're adults. Uh, we all know we get emails all day long about I'm an adult and you shouldn't restrict my movement. If you're an adult, do the right thing, manage your own health, don't harm anybody else, assess your own risk and act accordingly. Again, maybe I didn't answer your question there, Don. Well, I think your answers show you're more intelligent on the subject than my questions tells with money. I think you gave us <laughs> 
don't know about I, that. <laughs> I, well, you gave us information that's really solid. One of the things I wanted to get over to the, the membership with this little chat here is that we have a method by how we go things. And sometimes when we get excited, we want to move up to this, we want to move up to that. And I think a perfect example of that is Eugene. He's, got a, he's speaking for a lot of people in, in single-use buildings that think, hey, we ought to be able to get started now. So if we don't start them or if we've delayed it further than they think, I believe we need to be able to communicate to the community the reasons of why we're making what we're doing. And Barbara has brought up something that she and Steve have harped on and harped on and harped on, and that's the, the overall master plan we have. If it's not in the master plan, we shouldn't be doing it. Earl? What Barb said about not doing harm to other people is it's an easy thing to say. The problem is with asymptomatic people, you don't know if you're doing harm to other people. And it would be really nice, and you guys know how I love data, and we don't have the data I'd like, if we could do a community, a blind community survey and have people tell us, you know, not knowing who they are, just, have you been tested? Are you asymptomatic? Have you had the virus? And I have a friend who I can't name, or maybe he would want me to because he emailed me and said, how come we don't know how many cases we've had in Sun City Grand? And I said, we just don't have that information. If we did have that information, these decisions might be a whole lot easier. If we found out that there's only, you know, five people in Sun City Grand who have COVID, that makes the decision a whole lot easier. Uh, or a lot of people have been tested and found to be not asymptomatic. In other words, they don't have it. That's the kind of data we need to really, I think, be more confident in opening up the indoor spaces. I think everybody agrees with that. I think it's the method and the knowledge of what HIPAA will allow us to do or not do. Barbara, do you have any comments on that? Well, yeah, HIPAA, which for those of you who are not familiar with that term, it's the Health Information Privacy Act, which doesn't allow uh, certain data to be shared about anybody's individual conditions, their name, your social security number, et cetera, their demographics. You can get it globally, but uh, you can't necessarily uh, get it too specifically about an individual. So people may choose not to share that information. That's their choice. Um, so yeah, HIPAA, HIPAA can come into it. You know, what Earl says is a, a good suggestion. We typically don't have that good of a response to get a good sampling in surveys. So with 17,000 people, you know, you get 1,700, you've got 10%. It's hard to even get 1,700. Is 10% indicative of uh, the community? So it's a good idea. It's just, I don't know if it would give us a sample size that's enough to rely on. And I don't know that I would make my decisions based on that, you know, but everybody's different. Somebody might say, yeah, I won't go to uh, Coco's and pick up food because I'm afraid that somebody behind me in line has got it. It's, it's tough. And of course, if you're asymptomatic, most of the times you don't know you are. Barbara, a question. Do you think the element that he brings up, probably the information was being good, the decision-making process on the information, I think you've stated quite eloquently. Should we as a board uh, pursue with the Mr. Twings uh, to see if we should do more contractation or do you think we're doing the right thing in the manner we've decided right now? Do we I, don't think it's, I don't think it's within our purview to do testing. I'm sorry? You're talking about uh, contact testing? What, what I'm trying to say is, is, should we take Earl's suggestion and get a bigger idea of what's happening here, or is, is that an involvement we don't think that we could possibly get the proper information from, or we're limited to? Well, my opinion, and it's strictly my opinion, uh, is that we would not get the enough data to have a substantial analysis uh, 
of 17,000 res residents. I think that would be very tough to get to that level. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Do, would it change my decisions? No, because I make my decisions around my own personal health, my own assessment of risk, and my own assessment of how much I'm endangering somebody else, assuming I'm sitting here asymptomatic right now and don't know it. I wear a mask, I gel up frequently, uh, I limit my contact and my time out, anything. I do all those things that we've been told to do. Would I change my behavior if I knew there was more in 85374 that have this disease? Probably not because I think I'm doing the best I can with what I know. But again, I'm one voice. Well, let me go back. I'm gonna ask this question one more time of the group. It, would, it appears to me that we have not had the spreading issue unless we don't know about it in Sunset Grand that, that is commonly quote, uh, in Maricopa County or in the Arizona surge. In other words, if I was to make a decision personally on what we open up next based on the state of Arizona numbers, I would say no, quite easily. But the fact that we don't seem to have a, we have not identified a surge. I was, uh, I was incredibly impressed and very surprised that we had one case in softball and one case in pickleball that it didn't spread within the sport itself, which tells me it came in from somewhere else, but not very many people bringing in from somewhere else. So those, those statistics made me think, you know, we're different. And of course, just as soon as you feel like you're different and, you know, it, something pops up and slaps you in the face, but I think it's something we need to talk about. I think you were very correct when you mentioned and you made your decisions going forward on how you would make them. And I think we all go by personal experience, but I do think we need to give the community an unbelievable uh, heads up and tell them how grateful we are and how they've conducted themselves based on the statistics we have. I'm just I'm really pleased. Yeah, anybody on the board want to bring up any other ideas? Hey, Don, what are your favorite sayings? We don't know what we don't know. I think it applies here. <laughs> we don't know if we have a problem here because we haven't asked anybody. Well, let me tell you, why don't you talk to Barb, the two of you chew on it for a while. If you think there's some merit in, in advancing in that direction somehow, then sit down with Mr. Twig and, and tell us what you find out, okay? All right. I mean, yeah, Adam, you can do a like a three-question survey in about five minutes, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, think, I don't think it hurts us to do a survey. I think we'll be able to tell if we get, you know, a nominal amount back that doesn't give us a, you know, a good sampling, then okay. Yeah, it, right, it, at least we try. Hurt, it doesn't hurt anything. You I'm know, not gonna ask Earl because he loves data. He, he like, it. he was trying to find out how many had three-legged He animals. keeps asking me to change stuff too on the sheet, but that's okay, Earl, I still love you. <laughs> um, so you know, a lot of this, Don, is, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to wax philosophical here, but I'm going to for a minute. A lot of this is about integrity. You know, our individual integrity as people. Uh, most of us are from an age group that we were brought up with. Uh, please, thank you, ma'am, sir. Uh, a little bit different conscientiousness about our neighbors uh, and our role in the community. You know, and integrity is choosing courage over comfort you know, being courageous, even if it's not comfortable. It's doing what's right, even if uh, that's not fun, fast, or easy. And it's uh, choosing to practice our values rather than just talking about them. So again, not to be philosophical, but I still think this goes back to the 17,000 residents and how they want to manage themselves, manage their health, manage themselves as community members. I'm 117,000th, as I said, and uh, this is how I choose to manage. 
I can't speak for anybody else that I can see their faces on the screen or anybody else who's out there that I can't see. But I hope that we can go back to some of the values that we were all brought up with and practice accordingly. So sorry for the philosophical dissertation. Well, at least you're not running for anything. So I, I, I stand behind everything you said. <laughs> no, uh, this is enough. <laughs> Don, I agree with uh, Earl. I think a quick, easy survey would be very much in favor. I think in this case, a lot of people are asking the same question. How many do we have? How many people are there? The first gentleman who got it at the baseball, I think was a, one was a hero to me when he said, yes, use my name. And other people I've talked to there, that's a question that we get in email so often. How many people? I agree with Barbara, it's a personal responsibility in the Old Testament it's referred to as Batea vote, okay? And it says, I'll do no harm to my neighbor. But, I, but, I, but if we don't know what we're doing harm, some people need this, uh, shall I use the word nudge or elbow in the side to apply themselves to it. Thanks. Very good. So let me get this straight. Someone who's born in the 50s is going to give a survey responsibility to Adam, who's probably born in what, 80s, 70s? <laughs> 30. Okay, get 83. 83. All right. I tell you what, no matter when you're born, you do your job extremely well. We're grateful. Uh, Steve. What a coincidence. The same as me. Anyway, um, <laughs> so what I was going to say is, uh, a couple of things. Um, if, if there is somebody that lives here that, that has COVID-19, uh, they probably did not get it engaging in the amenities that you can engage in here right now. That's number one. They probably, they probably got it by going outside Sun City Grand and, and getting it someplace uh, before the masks were very common, but they probably didn't get it here. But uh, number two, I suspect uh, and we don't know this because a lot of people are very reluctant to actually report this stuff. Uh, I suspect that we have uh, a number of cases here. Uh, I think it's probably, a, you know, at least a, a couple of dozen, uh, but who knows? Nobody knows. Um, but, you know, the, the, the best that we can do is, is, as Barb says, to take personal responsibility. And, you know, even if you are around somebody who either is symptomatic or asymptomatic, uh, you can still protect yourself if you follow the, you know, the master guidelines. If, if you, if you wear a good mask, um, and if you uh, social distance, and if you wash your hands frequently, uh, and and don't touch surfaces, you can actually be around the virus and not get it. So, uh, you know, we're going to get. I predict, uh, and this is not, not a hard prediction to make. There will be more cases that come to the fore. You know, you will have friends. To get this. You will know people who know people who get this. But that doesn't mean uh, that we have to change uh, anything in how the board approaches things in terms of guidelines and recommendations. Because if you follow those, 
um, you're going to minimize your chances of transmission to you. And, and if you are asymptomatic uh, or symptomatic, you will minimize uh, harming your neighbor. So that's just my observations. Thank you. Uh, Go Barb. Well, just a, a quick comment. Uh, and thank you, Steve. Um, this is a very faceless enemy. It's really hard to figure out how to fight something you can't see, taste, smell, or has a face to it. Um, as I said, there's been about 150,000 deaths here in Arizona, and hopefully that is, hasn't touched you. On a personal note, I have three friends who've died from the virus, none in Arizona, but it becomes very, very real when you know somebody who has this disease and um, two of them had a very, very painful long in, uh, time in the hospital before they finally succumbed to it. So I guess my plea is just what we've been saying all along, what the news media says all along, protect yourself, be safe. We as a board can only make an environment so safe for you. And we're trying to follow guidelines that help us with that. And as I said, Earl and Steve are doing yeoman's work on the HVAC systems. We can create an environment, but the responsibility still falls to each of us to do the right thing and take care of ourselves. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, can I like to uh, tie this again and bring it to a close? I just wanted to let the community know that we felt that this kind of a discussion was important for you to get away a, a feeling, uh, how we look at this, the decisions we're faced with, the, the information, how we try to put it together. And I think hopefully this has been helpful. Is there anybody in the audience that would like to talk? We see a Gary in Inman up there. Can you hear me now? I can. That'd be a great, that'd be a great ad, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not Gary, it's Harleen again. Um, I want to address the matter of surveys. The uh, purpose of a survey is to generalize to a larger population. And in order to do that from your sample, you have to have a good sample and, uh, and we don't have that. You have to have a good data set and we don't have that. We don't know um, where people are, for example. The 17,000 residents are not here, so we can't survey them here. They may be in Iowa and that will corrupt our data. Uh, the other thing is that the emails that we have were collected for another purpose. We may have one person in a household and not two, or we may have two in the household. We have no way of knowing who we're getting. Now, for something like, uh, what color do you want the walls and simmer on? We don't care, whoever answers, answers. If somebody wants something from the village center, they're the people who are interested in the village center. But when you're talking about life or death, you have to have a good data set so that you can extrapolate to the larger population. We don't have that here. So any surveys that we make Whatever comes back, you're making a life uh, and death decision on something when you don't know really who you've got and who you're missing. So uh, I would not recommend a survey. Well, you know, we've got a lot of people that have survey experience around here and they can, they can do that as the best we can, but, that, but I would say there's no downfall. As you've heard Barb say she wouldn't necessarily make a decision on survey. Earl has proved to us time and time again that data is, is, has become helpful. So it, it has, does it have to go back? Yeah, it does. It has, but we can deal with that. I think some information is better than none. Earl, did you want to speak to that? Yeah, that's funny because I just started writing the survey. <laughs> and the first, two the first two questions were, how many people are in your household and are you currently in grand? So we, we will be able to dig down and get the relevant data. 
that we need from this without having a crazy extensive survey. Okay, Lynn Snyder, Lynn? Yeah, getting back to the topic, I agree with Gene. I don't think the pro shop is an activity. I think the activities that Steve mentioned should go higher than the pro shop. Thank you. Anybody else? Thomas Braga. Okay. My question is to you about the wood shop is that uh, I'm trying to figure out when you guys are going to open it, but at the same time, Sun City and Sun City West have their activities open over there. The, the metal shop, the wood shop, so on and so forth, and their store is open where these people can sell their stuff. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out why we, we are so behind in the times here. Well, we won't necessarily be behind the time. We take all information into consideration, but we make our own decisions based on our own strategies. And all I can tell you is we take it all together. We start through it all. We make our decisions in that manner. Decisions on the single-use buildings will be coming very quickly. By the way, one of the things we're waiting for is every two weeks, the governor updates his uh, executive orders. So that one should be coming out. I think it last one was a week ago Friday or it was last Friday. So within a week or so, he'll be coming out. We'll look at that and re-update it. We have a board meeting in two weeks, so I should, would suggest you receive more information there. Maria Gabbard. Uh, just a comment was that um, I understand what Gene is trying to do, the indoor activities such as glass and clay, et cetera, et cetera. And you, everybody was speaking about the filter system. And I was just curious to how the employees are able to stay in the Palm Center uh, buildings where Stitchery is. Um, but I, I'm assuming that they're there for four to six, eight hours. And um, I do appreciate this talk because it has, you know, made things a little bit more clearer for me. And I do appreciate the seriousness that you take this. But morale-wise, emotionally, mental health-wise, um, I would agree with working and focusing on trying to get those indoor small club activities going. And of course, since you know me from before, um, how to get the cafe going, I don't, people ask me over and over, what is the holdup on that? And I would like some more transparency as far as what is holding that up. If it's well, the beverage decision or what? The, no, it's, uh, the, you work in the, you work in the uh, cafe, don't you, Maria? Yes, I do. The transparency is simple on the food project. We got two problems. We have to deal with social distancing as people come out. We've, we've started out by allowing them. People, we've opened up these uh, benches and stuff so they can be sit there. When we open up the cafe, we've got, as Jeff has told us, we've got some uh, theories to go to. He's got a plan for opening that cafe. He needs two weeks to unfold it whenever we give him the go ahead. There's a lot of factors going about that. Palm Center. Remember in the Palm Center, if you go in there, there are glass protections for the people but some of them, and also that some of them wear shields instead of get a mask, and also with the exception about there in, in um, generalist, um, the working area, everybody else has an office. Even there, they wear a mask. But the time factor of being in one building at a time is you are correct, but when you, if you're in that building in one at a time and you're in your own office with the mask on and the door closed, then the time becomes less of a factor that if you're working a, a machine or you're putting a piece of art, you're within six feet of somebody, even if you're obeying the rules. So kind of put that in perspective. 
We haven't had a problem in the Palm Center, but we've worried about it greatly. And as a matter of fact, there's a couple early on, to be honest with you, that was not taken quite as seriously even there. And we said, hey, you know, if we have a problem with one in the camp staff, we could have a large problem with the entire camp staff, which would put us in a pickle. So Alan particularly, Alan and I meet with Mr. Twings every uh, Wednesday, and we basically do that by uh, Zoom right now because we've, we've had to, to really push that effort forward, which by the way has been successful. Maria, you bring up a lot of good ideas, as did the gentleman before you. And what we're trying to do is have a focused approach based on the, the, all the elements we put together, and we'll open them and recheck at all times down the line. We won't agree with everything you want to do. You won't agree with the way we do it. We will have a focused, reasoned approach of why we're doing it. And I can assure you that the general feeling of the board is we will be addressing the single-use buildings within the next two weeks. I'm not saying they'll be open, but I'll say we'll be definitely addressing them. Uh, Tom, Thomas, you've already spoken on this. So go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I just wanted to add something to the duration point that Maria just made. Um, so you, this is why you have to look at buildings individually and, and occupancy of spaces individually. So for example, uh, in the Palm Center, um, uh, there's 22 air conditioners on the roof of the Palm Center. Um, and in the, in the row of, of admin offices, uh, the, the, the main situation is that one air conditioner serves three offices. So basically you're, you know, you're using the same air more or less, although you're wearing a mask as two other people. When you, and contrast that with, uh, with a room like Stitcher's uh, that, also, that has two air conditioners that serve it. And you know, depending upon how many people you have in there, in, in the old days before COVID, you could have uh, you know, 60 people in there. Um, so the, the concentration of people uh, is, is just as important as the duration. So for example, you, you, know, you, you go into, into uh, Stitcher's um, and these days you wouldn't want to spend four to six or eight hours in there. As I said before, you'd want to spend an hour or two, uh, whereas people, if they wear their masks in the Palm Center, uh, can work there all day and not be exposed to a significant risk. Thank you. There's no one else on the list, Mr. Braga has got his hand up, but we only allow one comment per agenda, so we're going to move on. Is there anybody else? Okay, then we're going to draw the uh, meeting to a close and uh, we'll get ready for the workshop for the board meeting. So this is adjourned. And now let's take a break of one second and we'll move right into the special board meeting. I'd like to call the board of directors uh, a special board uh, meeting to order. We have a quorum of six directors. Take note that Ms. Stephanie Sloggett Odell is not here. I have some announcements to make to so please uh, leave your Zoom on mute unless you're called upon to speak and the residents will have comments on once per agenda topic for a maximum of three minutes. The special board meeting has been called to put into action the decisions to vote on the comments that we just had in the present workshop. We added this quick um, special board meeting to make sure there was not any delay and get these on forward as quickly as possible. So we're going to go start now. I'll take to the consent agenda. Does any board member have something they would like to pull from the consent agenda? If not, could I hear a motion to accept the consent agenda? Motion. Is there a second? Second. Okay, if we move to second to approve the agenda, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
Okay, the consent agenda has been approved. New business in the first issue is Steve, and the first one is yours. Okay, uh, I'm gonna make the following motion. Uh, I move to approve the plan and rules uh, to reopen the Sun City Grand Bocce facility submitted to the board of directors by the Bocce Club with the reopening date to be determined by CAN. Is there a second? Second. second. Okay, we'll go to, say anybody from the board have any comments? I've gone most of them, but any that wasn't covered in uh, the workshop? Are there any comments from the audience? Presently, I see none. Adam, if you'll continue to watch it. So let's have a vote on All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Let's go to the second one. Eugene? I move to approve the plan and rules to reopen Sun City Grand Golf Snack Bars submitted to the Board of Directors by the General Manager with a reopening date to be established or determined by CAM. Is there a second? Second. Been moved and seconded. Are there any comments from the board members? Steve, uh, Jeff, you're in, can, you are in cahoots with everything that's been said. You're all right with it? Yes. Cahoots is a bad word. You put, you, put, you put your professional seal of approval on it. How's that? Yes, thank you. Steve, are you, are you concerned? Are you okay with all the documentation, et cetera, and adhering to the master plan? Yes, uh, I've talked with Jeff about this and we're both good on it. And is there any comments from the audience, please? See none, and Adam, if you'll watch it, if somebody comes on, let's have a vote. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Let's go to the next one. Steve, it's you again. Okay. Um, I move to approve the plan and rules to reopen the Sun City Grand outdoor exercise classes at Pavilion, submitted to the board of directors by the general manager with the reopening date to be determined by CAM. Is there a second? Second. Second. It's been second. Let's go to any com comments by the board of directors. I think Allison has pretty much explained. I just review so everybody pretty much knows what's happening. She's going to have one class per day. They'll be answered to the reservation system. If things go well, it'll be her plan to extend it. And uh, Steve, you're okay with the master plan, approve it in her plan? Is yes. In the master guideline? She is, yep. The plan is good. Okay. If everybody agrees, then all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Motion carries. Steve, fourth motion. Uh, I move to approve the plan and rules to reopen the Sun City Grand softball facility submitted to the board of directors by the softball club with the reopening date to be determined by CAM. Second. Okay. Moved and second. And so is there any discussion by the board members? I just point out, Don, this is a technique, as I said before in the workshop, this is technically a re-reopening. Uh, we're going to be using the same plan as we had approved previously. Okay, so the master plan is being adhered to to your uh, preference? Yes. Are there any comments from the audience? Okay. Seeing none, we'll have a vote. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That's all the business we have. We'll open it up once more. Does anybody now want to open it up to have to want to chat on anything that's on your mind? And while we're waiting for that, for those of you that might be involved or didn't know, Code of Conduct was redoing their uh, 
charter based on the approval of the CCNRs, et cetera, and was slated to be uh, on the agenda today, but was pulled because they want to do some more work on it. So if you saw that initially in the down and you wanted to uh, comment on it or see what's happened to it, that's what's happened. Is that Linda, is that you or Obi? Yeah, I missed the earlier chat. I thought you were still talking about the opening plans. So I, this has nothing to do with what we've been discussing, but I wanted to find out when you're going to update us on what's happening with the food and beverage. Uh, we haven't heard anything for a while. Sure, we'd be happy. Adam, would you like to, or I mean, Alan, would you like to address that? So struggling to come up with the right words. We, we have been negotiating uh, through FESSEL uh, with the, uh, uh, the prime candidate for food and bre beverage partnership. Uh, I think we're getting close to uh, where we where we can be making a deal, uh, but it's premature to provide details. Okay, I would like to add that uh, uh, this is a very 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 complicated contractual negotiation. So it takes the, the time needed to get, work out all the details, and we're very very pleased on how it's going. Both sides are anxious to get it done. Yeah, I have one question, Don. For, sure. Jeff, for Jeff mostly, if we can figure out how to open the Grand Cafe cooking area safely, is it possible that we could bring some people back to the cafe to make the wrapped sandwiches that you want to use at the golf snack shops? Yeah, um, definitely. If we want to start moving into pre-made sandwiches and stuff, we can definitely do it through the cafe. Mr. Twiggs and Jeff, I've been uh, one thing I'd like to make sure that everybody understands, because it's quite noteworthy, is um, Mr. Triggs has really taken hold of the job and responsibility here at Sun City Ground. Even before we asked for it, he had Jeff and all the other people working on all the different details to get these things ready. So he was way, way ahead of us in working on these plans. And he first came to us about opening the cafe, what, Jeff, a couple months ago? But he asked Jeff to work on a plan and Jeff's come up with a thing. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but he, you told him you needed, once the decision was made, you needed two weeks to order, get ready and prepare it. Is that correct? Is that about accurate? Yeah, pretty much. There, um, some of the food vendors that we've talked to um, might be out of stock on certain items. So we might have to make some adjustments, but we would need uh, 10 to 14 days. So I just wanted to make sure that the membership is listening and understands that we do in fact have a, a um, full investigation on all the different things that we're doing and we just have to wait to pull the trigger. One thing that's extremely frustrating to all of you, and I know this, and I see your emails, is timelines. And one of the things that I've said and the board is getting tired of me hearing it from me is timelines, timelines, timelines are off the table. We can't give timelines until we know that we can meet them. So if we seem vague on timelines, it's not because we aren't doing the work or we don't care, or we don't believe in opening. It's because we got to get through the data that we have to deal with and all the issues in order to give you a firm timeline. Renee Mitchell. Hi, I'm Renee Mitchell, is Vista Neighborhood and um, president of Grand Glass Arts. Just a few things regarding Grand Glass. Um, you're, bre you're breaking up, so be careful. Okay, thank you. Um, we do have a system that we can initiate. It will give us reports on who is um, reserving workspace time and for how long and for how often. I think what needs to be considered when you're looking at how long should someone be in a single-use building, um, 
three areas, clay, glass, and woodwork, there's time to work on your project, then there's the time you work on the project and get something done, and then there's cleanup. So typically we do limit, I'd say be cautious that you limit that time too tightly because of the prep time and cleanup time that's required. Um, and lastly, we'll be glad to chat with anyone on the board if there's questions on how to reopen safely. That's great, but I'm, I'm, I'm oh, Steve's, see Steve's hand there, he's got it up. I'm, I, I, if he doesn't say, I'm gonna say this first to see if I can beat him to it, but I know one thing he's gonna say. The issue is not what you're doing and you're in there and the timeline of the ways. The, the time is if you're in there over a period of time, it doesn't make any difference. That's over at the guard against Steve, go ahead. Yeah, what I was gonna say, Renee, is that, um, uh, you know, we're, we're aware that there are, you know, that, that you and other clubs have, have scheduling tools which is a good thing uh, because, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure, and we haven't actually even addressed this yet. So this is just spitballing as they say, uh, but you know, we're gonna need the club's help uh, to be able to um, uh, organize who has access and for how long, because uh, given the requirement to social distance, even in glass arts and clay arts and the wood shop, we're gonna have to have means by which everybody gets a fair shot at being able to participate uh, because not as many as before, I suspect in most cases, we'll be able to get in there. So we're gonna need to work with you um, and you know, work out what you think is the, given the kinds of issues that you pointed out, you know, the setup and the actual work and the cleanup, uh, we're gonna need to be able to understand that and work with you to develop uh, you know, schedules and suggestions uh, that you guys can support. Does that help you, Renee? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think too, um, just understanding there's, in my mind, there's a couple things that would help us, even if there isn't a date. I, I don't expect for you to commit to any kind of date or timeline, but if in general we had the sense of what's been proposed for how many people can safely work in this space, and perhaps um, our hours of operation, that would help me tremendously because then I could look at, um, classes are very important. Um, we had to refund almost $5,500 worth of class fees when we shut down in March through May. And our club is very active, classes are very important to us. So for, for us to look at our membership needs and try to balance, how do we help you know, nurture that um, education side as well as studio and creative side? I can't go there until I really know, are the numbers that we proposed okay? And are our hours of operation okay? If I could just get that, then we could start planning and have something ready to go once we got closer to a, a date. So just something to consider. Yeah, and I, let, let me give you one reaction to the hours. Um, I would be personally in favor of as long uh, a number of hours as you can handle because that spreads out, uh, you know, the, it allows you to handle, uh, you know, perhaps more people uh, given that you have, uh, you have longer opening hours as opposed to shorter opening hours. Uh, I need to, to look back at the, at the governor's calculations a number, number of square foot, square feet per person and so forth. 
to give you an answer as to whether or not uh, your proposed plan uh, is compliant with that because that came out you know more recently but you know we will work directly with you uh, to figure those things out but i would urge you to try and uh, have hours that are as long as possible my understanding is for glass arts that um, you have members uh, work the desk is that correct um, yes, we do have uh, monitors at our desk. If there is not someone sitting there, a member who is working in studio is the designated monitor. Right. We open seven days a week, um, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., with a minimum of two members in studio working at all times. Right, right. Yeah, we'll definitely work with you so you can figure out that some kind of schedule, some kind of allocation of, of uh, who, can, who can come when and for how long. Thank you. Any other questions from the audience? I'm not seeing any more. First of all, I want to thank uh, everyone that participated today. Um, we hope that the format we use where you can see some of the discussions back and forth was helpful, um, particularly the approach that Barbara uses. And uh, let's take Barbara's advice now and go home and be kind to everybody, okay? Thanks for listening to our Sun City Grand Board of Directors meeting or workshop. Have a grand day.